Welcome to the Hired Geek Podcast, where we explore the impact of edtech on the student experience with engaging, fun, and relevant conversations that honor the wide range of work happening all across the higher ed ecosystem. I'm your host, Dustin Ramsdale, Community Engagement Lead at Pathify. Join me every week for discussions with some of the best minds in education technology. The Hired Geek Podcast is a proud member of the Enrollify Podcast Network, a robust collection of shows designed to help higher education professionals like you grow every day. Explore all of our other shows at Enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at Element451.com. I am particularly excited for our conversation today where we will be focusing in on the potential for audio content as sort of a learning tool that, you know, certainly there's been a lot of emphasis and utilization of video, you know, making kind of chunked uh, clips and shorter video for uh, courses, whether they are online or hybrid or in person, whatever you can do to sort of uh, supplement the learning experience. But um, as somebody who has been a fan of the medium of podcasting and audio for a very long time, uh, it has been kind of like a, you know, an idea of mine of just like, wanting to hopefully have more conversations or see sort of more evidence of people utilizing audio content in their courses or anywhere, frankly, to help kind of enhance the student experience. So uh, that is what we'll be talking about today uh, with our guest. I appreciate her just reaching out to be like, hey, I want to talk about this. And it's like, <laughs> you know what? I love it. Uh, so we'll, we'll absolutely make it happen. But um, Adrian, if you want to uh, introduce yourself and kind of your brief overview of your background, and then we'll get into the, the topic for today. Sure. I'm very excited for this conversation, too. Um, I am Dr. Adrian Trierbenik. I'm a professor of sociology, and my area of focus is the connection between gender inequality and popular culture. I host a podcast I created for my students called Most Popular. Um, Most Popular merges what we see happening in pop culture with the experts who, with experts who can discuss how pop culture affects and shapes our society. And an easier way to think about this and the way I really like to say it is I can tell you why gender inequality is connected to Taylor Swift's Eros tour. Mm, interesting. <laughs> and maybe I'll uh, you know, keep you honest with that and, uh, you know, set that if we have time. But it's like kind of getting meta about like the project itself and like how you did it, why you did it, what the impact was. But then even like the content itself, like that is interesting to me as sort of a geek of popular culture and movies and TV and you know, video games, comic books, whatever it might be, like that sort of critical analysis is always interesting because it's like we are humans creating things in the world that we live in and all that. Like there's kind of fingerprints all over stuff and you can kind of uh, examine them for either like, oh, there's a lot of thought that was put into this. Like every choice, you know, had sort of a meaning or even if it's like, it seems like they weren't really thinking about this too much. And why was that? Like, why was that the case or something? So tell us more about that recent project that you did for your for your students. So about... Um, four or five years ago, four years ago, I, I've published quite a bit in my field and most of them are books and, um, ranging on topics from, um, I've published a collection of essays on Beyonce that was with scholar, with other scholars. I've done a, a textbook called Gender and Pop Culture. I've done, um, all sorts of, uh, field, uh, pop culture field stuff, um, mostly based in music and the connection between gender inequality and music. 
And as I was doing these compilations of books, I was getting to know these people that were really interesting. And um, one of the things that happens a lot when you work with other folks on textbooks and all of that is that you end up emailing and, you know, you just start to get to know people and there's so much more to them than what they can contribute to a textbook. And their scholarship is so interesting. And, you know, I've been wanting to, I had been wanting to start a speaker series on my campus for a while to kind of bring folks in that my students may not have the ability to listen to, but that is expensive and um, takes quite a bit of time and, you know, is money that we didn't necessarily had. Um, And so then I thought, well, I could try this over podcasts and see how that goes. Um, And I started with just six scholars that I knew kind of more personally and um, uploaded it and used it as an assignment, like as a pilot, um, one for a summer class, just to see if it would even be something the students were interested in. And it became most popular, became the most popular thing that they talked about. Like it was literally the thing that they kept saying, we wanted, we, we like this the best. Like this is the thing we like the best. And they started giving me ideas of who they would want to talk to and topics they would want to cover. Um, and it just sort of snowballed from there. And so every time I sort of did a piece of scholarly work with other scholars, I would keep a list of, which folks would be great for being on the podcast and the students would respond well to. That said, I have to say, I knew nothing about podcasting when I started. I had to teach myself a lot while I was teaching other people about the topics that we were covering. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, those mechanics, because I feel like there would certainly be a fork in the road because I think there is, yeah, like you're saying, like kind of the, the lingo or the mechanics of, you know, publishing a podcast that's out on all the like different players and those sort of things like sometimes that's a deterrent enough for people I think it's just like you know I don't know if this is worth it or whatever and there's a version where people are doing a podcast where it is just embedding audio content into a course nobody else ever sees it or whatever and I think that can be fine but I think in terms of like how you accomplish this like you had to learn those things. You pursued that route to make it more widely available. Well, like write papers for courses and do all these sort of like amazing things. And then like nobody else gets to ever see them. Like, you know, that idea that you certainly are in that position as a, you know, faculty member to understand how it works to like get your work, you know, published and everything. But um, yeah, just talk a little bit about like how you did it. You know, that idea of like, there's things you had to learn. How did you learn them? How did you sort of motivate yourself for that process? And um we'll start there because I think you alluded to sort of like how you chose the people and what you talked about and all those sort of things. Yeah, I had to first learn how to actually record. And so I um, was using Skype voice. And um, at the time I had an older Mac. So there was, I forget what the software was that you installed with Skype voice that would allow you to record. Um, And that, that was great. And then the pandemic happened and we were all stuck at home and my institution got a subscription to zoom. So I switched over to zoom. Um, I like both of them. They work equally as well for me. Um, I like Zoom because I can see the person while I'm talking to them. Um, but I, I, that was like the first thing was what software do I need to use? What is the, um, you know, just basic stuff of how to record these things? Um, and then I learned very quickly things like how to control the sound around me. Like I would sit in my closet because it would be the place where the sound would be the best. Um, what kind of microphones to buy. Like I have a Yeti Pro that I um, purchased. How to create a web... I mean, literally we're talking... When I say I had to learn everything, how to create a website, which I had had my own website, but I did not have any idea how you put audio stuff 
on a website, how to learn iTunes and how to learn like the game of this is how you get to submit stuff. This is how long it takes for them to uh, approve it, not approve it. Creating an RSS feed through SoundCloud was a big one. And then things like um, I had to learn how to create graphics. I, I went into Canva free and started figuring out how to create graphics for the podcast. The first graphic was awful. It was so bad, but I was really proud of it because it was totally something I, I did. Um, that baseline stuff was so important for me to learn, um, obviously, just so I can create the, the podcast, but also in my mind, it gave me a sense of, okay, so I'm learning something for the first time that um, is new to me and very foreign. This is what it feels like to be a student in my class because I get a lot of introductory students and who have no clue what they're walking into when they start to do something other than this sounds interesting. So that was a good connection for me of, okay, you're, you're kind of getting a taste of what it's like for them. Acknowledging that like vulnerability of like, I <laughs> literally am starting from like ground zero and building upon that. And I think just the, you know, reassurance or advice for other people that might pursue something like this is like, you did the sort of like version 1.0, like you just made a basic graphic, you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you like started with the Yeti mic or not, whatever the idea of just sort of like, I'll build upon, you know, each thing as I go on, because I tell people that a lot too, is that like, you don't even need to invest a huge amount of money to like have it sound good or look good and all that. So it's like, you know, start somewhere and then just like build upon it. It's just sort of like, okay, well, like if you're not going to do video, obviously you don't need to worry about getting like a webcam or any of that, like just get a nice mic and then go from there. And then you could get more sophisticated recording software or more sophisticated editing software, or then like upgrade to video. And then like, you don't have to do all that all at once. Like, cause that wouldn't yeah. be so much to sort of learn and manage all at the same time but and i feel like it's it's all kind of front loaded because then like once you get the feed set up and you know everything's plugged in and all that like you can kind of just like focus on like all right who am i going to talk to about what and all that so it sounds like maybe that was like the easier side of the equation like you kind of had a network of people that you could kind of reach out to so yeah yeah and it's funny that you would say um editing software i had to learn audacity so i did a bunch of youtube tutorials and i took a voiceover class because i wanted to see like how professional folks set themselves up to sound better. Um, so I, you know, did those things. But yeah, finding people seems like the easy part. And honestly, a lot of folks are just excited <laughs> that you are interested in what they do. Sometimes research happens in a vacuum. A lot of times research happens in a vacuum. And so for someone to say, like, let's talk about what you do and put it out there for other folks to listen to is pretty exciting. And I've also made a cognizant effort that it's not just scholars, that I find experts in all sorts of fields. So um, I've talked to people um, who run nonprofits, people who have run for political office. I have a friend who was voted Miss Wheelchair Michigan in 2016. So we talked about being a beauty queen and what that meant for having a disability. And, you know, it's, for me, it's, it's, Finding the folks is not hard. Um, the tech part is easy at this point, too. Just so you know, I've, <laughs> I've moved past that hump. Yeah, well, that's a good uh, reassurance for other folks who might be <laughs> kind of pushing through that uh, kind of front-loaded hurdle. Um, is Yeah, like it absolutely gets easier. And then, like I said, it's like it'll get easier and then it can get like higher quality, like as you sort of get into yeah. that rhythm and cadence and consistency. Um, which again, can look however you want it, especially in this sort of environment, if you're sort of doing something that you know, you're going to parlay into a course, it could be like, I'm just going to do like a series of episodes each semester, and then like take the summers off or do whatever, like just kind of chunk out, you know, the 
quote unquote seasons of episodes so that you don't have to like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do like episodes every single week for most of the year, you know, like 50 episodes and just make that kind of commitment. It's like commit to whatever feels sustainable for you, because like this should be. <laughs> like you said, like enjoyable, like you're going to have people that are super passionate about something, enjoy talking about it. And hopefully, you know, you have like, and it sounds like you did too, like the freedom to pursue what felt relevant for each episode. Like you weren't sort of being dictated to do anything, any particular way for your own course. Like you had like that. It's sort of this like extension of academic freedom in a sense, where it's like, it feels like it's like such a different separate thing, but like, and certainly, I guess if, if you're publishing it more outwardly, you might need to just kind of like check over your shoulder. But um, yeah, like it should be sort of a fun, enjoyable sort of endeavor that really just sort of uh, augments whatever is sort of existing or established for your course. It could really kind of give it kind of a shot in the arm, you know, sort of. Uh, and I guess like the idea that like students seem to really respond to it. Yeah, that was kind of the point was to give them something else to focus on. The other kind of point of it was that I I teach at an institution that is extremely diverse. And um, I am very aware that I am a not diverse white lady who is middle-aged. And so I knew that I was going to need to bring in ways to for them to um, connect to material through folks that maybe they wouldn't normally be exposed to. So by bringing in this cast of folks that is from all aspects of academia and, and nonprofits and all that, um, I can present them with people who are experts in fields that maybe look like them, maybe are from similar backgrounds. I've currently got the the most popular of my most popular podcasts is with my friend who is an anthropologist at Virginia Tech, and um, he studies the anthropology of hip hop and looks at the historical part of hip hop through an anthropological perspective. And he starts out the episode by freestyling, which I had asked him to do, and I was so excited when he did. And to the students, that is the thing that one of the things that they talk about the most is like how cool it is that they got to listen to this person who is an expert in his field, but can also freestyle, which is, is for me, that's one of the reasons why I did it. Like I, I want them to be able to connect what we're doing with larger pictures and to see that there are folks who um, are participating in this, this culture that, that we're creating. Yeah. Like it's just sort of irreplaceable, I guess for a Beyonce reference um, <laughs> or the other thing is, yeah. Um, that like you could in theory i'm sure somebody be like well couldn't they just like give you maybe like anecdotes or a story and you basically kind of just like share it out and it's like that's kind of like a stretch of the idea like you just can't match that ability like you like that person firsthand talking about their experience and like yep. anything like that it's the idea like yeah like i could try to just kind of you know channel it you know their spirit or what they would what they would talk about if they were here or whatever but um yeah like it's such a great vehicle for bringing in diverse perspectives and lived experiences and all of that. So I think that that, you know, kind of checks like yet another box, like many boxes yep. that are checked by this sort of uh, endeavor and everything. And I guess like twofold question of just sort of like, what inspired you to do this? Like, are you like a fan of the media? Like, are you a big podcast fan? You felt like, you know, like maybe this is the, a good opportunity to like dive in or like, and I guess the second part, just to let that kind of noodle around as well is like, are you often somebody who kind of pursues like new, different, innovative things? Because again, that there's sort of a whole learning curve for you to do this. And I think some people might, you know, be like, oh, I don't know, I, I like tradition, I like routine, I like, you know, whatever, like, I'm not gonna try to shake things up or whatever. So like, 
those dynamics, I guess, of what sort of like kind of pushed you over the edge to be like, you know what? All right, let, let's let's learn something new and let's go with this. I am a big podcast fan. I don't know, big. I, I appreciate podcasts, but I I like the ones where um, it's like two people talking and one person. I, I, I like the interview format. I don't particularly like it when there's a whole lot of folks having conversations and you have your brain is trying to figure out who's saying what at what point. So I, I like the one-on-one discussion. I What kind of drove me is I really like talking to people who have experiences that aren't mine and are anywhere close to what I've experienced or who study stuff that is very far away from what I do. I like interesting people and I like having conversations where I can ask questions, as many questions as I, as I like. Uh, that to me seems like the ideal situation. Um I prefer this one-on-one discussion format and um, the few times that I've, I have kind of dived into, one of the things I did to challenge myself um, was I dove into multi, multi-interviews in an episode where I went in and edited a whole bunch of folks that I interviewed separately and then I brought them together and tried to make a multi-episode um, and it worked okay. It, it was fine, but it felt kind of all over the place to me and not as organic as just a conversation that two folks are having. So that's my preference and that's what I've brought in. And when I've noticed when I've asked the students what they like, this is what they prefer to just two people having a conversation. They also tell me I don't talk enough that I should like give my opinion more, but I'm like, that's not my point. My point is to learn from this other person. That right. Is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is, that is an art form. Cause I think there's people where it's like, okay, this show is clearly a, you know, just, you know, things their thoughts, your ego. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, aren't you the person that should be asking the questions? You're talking more than right. your guest that where like, you're like being like, Hey, like, look at us. We have this person on the show. And it's like, I barely heard from them. Like I'm, I'm like amazingly or sort of incredibly self-conscious where like, I'm trying to add the little dose, but like just the right little pinch. Like I really <laughs> don't want to be uh, overstepping, but, uh, and those are things that you kind of learn. But I think even that idea of like, you took a leap, to do something new, like you felt sort of inspired, you know, you, you knew sort of a, a model of what you enjoy. And even then when you like, you know, started doing it, you got the feedback to kind of reinforce that. But like, uh, that's like, I'll, I'll talk with people about that a lot. Cause they're like, Oh, like, I don't know. Maybe I'll start a podcast. But like, how should I do it? It was like, what shows do you like? Like mm-hmm. kind of model, like kind of follow your role models and do that. And then like, you know, that'll be easy to sort of have something in your mind's eye to kind of, uh, build around that's again, another good piece of advice is if somebody's just like, Oh, I don't know. Like, it feels like it'd be too hard or like something to pursue. Is it like, uh, it's like, again, there's that initial hurdle and all that It's going to get easier. And like, once you figure out like the form, cause it's like, I've done interview shows for years and years and years, but like, it still feels fresh. It's new people talking about new things, or at least even like who I am now versus who I was six years ago or something like is different. Right. So that's adding a different dynamic to it. But that sort of has me segue to my next question is just sort of from your experience, doing this, seeing the impact and, you know, being able to integrate this to your courses and everything, what advice would you give to other faculty or even staff members or anybody to like better connect with their students if they're thinking about doing something like this in particular, or just sort of the idea of like pursuing new, different, innovative, you know, ways to enhance student experiences or anything like, you know, if you want to get kind of just more meta about like trying something new advice there or, uh, and, or I guess advice about like starting a podcast to create sort of audio content for learning or, you know, so take that as you will. I think we're in an interesting time where you've got 
faculty who are, um, I think there's three categories. I think there are faculty that are embracing tech and these types of mediums. I think there are people that are kind of in the middle that get it, but aren't really interested in doing it. And then there are people who just don't see how it can be beneficial. And um, I really feel like at least understanding the role that something like this podcasting, um, even if you want to do like, you know, Instagram stories or um, other ways that you can communicate with students, that that stuff is is really important to at least have a baseline understanding of why it's helpful and why it's out there. You know, everybody's talking about AI or maybe they're afraid of it or maybe they're nervous about it. But the thing is, is once you start to understand how these mediums work, which is also kind of our job at this point, like whether or not you want to understand tech, you kind of have to. Um, once you understand how these mediums work, it takes that fear away of, you know, is this something that's beneficial or not? And um, you don't have to use them, but knowing that they're there and they're an option, I think is is important. And, you know, I also think if someone's listening to this right now, they're probably already kind of keyed into figuring out <laughs> ways they can do a little bit better of a job, or at least maybe have that thought popping in their brain. Um, but these types of projects make you better at your job in some way because you are, I mean, it's really been challenging for me um, to learn all of these new things, not just the, the baseline learning, but uh, learning the tech part, but having conversations with folks who either I know nothing about their field, which has happened quite a few times. I thought I knew a ton and it turns out I was completely wrong. I mean, that was, those have been very sobering conversations. Um, I have just did one where the person corrected me in the middle and said, nope, that's not right. Let me tell you what's right. Those are important things for us to keep doing because we do that with our students constantly. We say, no, 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 that's not right. Let me kind of redirect you. And it's it's important that we kind of feel that in some way. And this medium is so far for me has been a great way to have that experience. Yeah, I mean, that's great advice. Yeah, I mean, just the sort of appreciation of like, you know, the different mediums and modalities for how people communicate and share information. You're kind of, you know, clearing up that ambiguity of like, oh, mm -hmm. TikTok, you know, push on, just like, you know, blowing it off or whatever. It's like, yeah, I've seen some faculty members and stuff start to embrace that. And it's the same idea of like, well, these are conversations that I'm having that are, you know, informing how I teach or what I teach and all that. And then it's just like, you can kind of show your work and sort of almost challenge yourself to fit within, you know, the limits of the medium and kind of play in that sandbox. And, um, share it for other people to engage with. But um, yeah, like any of this kind of stuff just like humanizes everyone and kind of the whole experience, you know, that it is like two people yeah. talking and yeah, I've had those moments where I'm like corrected or, you know, uh, those sort of things or have to be very, very much the lay person, you know, where it's just like, I, I'm just gonna let you know, I don't know anything about this. So like, I'm ready to <laughs> strap in and, and learn just alongside everybody else. So uh, yeah, that sort of humanizing element, like in almost like yeah not being afraid of it and maybe in certain instances like pursuing it like is good advice the idea because it's like yeah you could you could just like even though this is like a new thing for some people if like you said they're they're inclined to kind of go down this path anyway like you could just set up you know and dig in in your comfort zone just like talk to all your friends that you all know each other's yeah. stuff and all that and it's like that's that's good that's great you know you're still gonna get a get towards a certain point in terms of like positive impacts and outcomes and everything but um sort of amplifies it or sort of adds a little extra uh, bit of like an X factor, I guess, if it is just sort of like a very, you know, vulnerable, humanizing uh, 
sort of experience. Um, so yeah, that's really good advice. And the other thing I think just kind of building on what you're saying is I think like you're saying, like it, it behooves people, you know, faculty members, staff members, everybody nowadays to be aware of these tools or, you know, platforms and everything else. Like anything else of sort of what you're seeing on the horizon, I guess, like, uh, and whether it's just sort of like for, for your own work or just sort of holistically for higher education, just like, you know, you're doing something that to me feels sort of novel and new and important. And just even again, the, the sort of lessons learned from an experience like that hopefully can inform folks like yourself, you know, to be more comfortable to like, you know, learn about AI or whatever the next thing yeah. is and all that. So like, yeah, just what, what do you see on the horizon? Um, it's funny that you said TikTok. I don't have a TikTok because I tried it and it made me feel a little nuts with the constant flipping. But I understand the relevance of it. And a lot of people can end up and uploading it to Instagram anyway. So I cannot tell you how many times students have said to me, I'll bring up something that's happened in the news or something that's happening, you know, around the world. And they'll go, oh, yeah, I saw that on TikTok. I've, I've seen a whole bunch of TikToks about that. That's something that's been trending for a while. Um to discount that that part of of what we could use that for to benefit um, what we do would just kind of seem um, silly to me. That even if you're not using TikTok or social media or podcast or whatever, even if you're not using those things, um, at least have an understanding that it's not you know your it's not a bunch of. I mean, sometimes it can be a bunch of people watching nonsense. I mean, my Instagram feed is all like golden retrievers at this point, but it is a really interesting place for them to get information. And it's probably where they're getting more information than we realize. And to discount it and say like, it's social media, it's, it's not real. It's not factual. There's actually a lot of legit, really awesome stuff out there on there that people are doing and are trying to make, trying to do what I've been doing with this podcast, but on social media, trying to make things accessible to folks. I think having a baseline understanding of that is important, at least as, as, as higher ed moves on, you know, we can't discount the, the place that tech is going to have with what we do. Yeah. Cause I, I, I have a TikTok. I do enjoy the platform. I mean, I think exactly the idea that like people are saying they're getting more of their news from there. And I think with these sort of, uh, uh, I think it's fair to say sort of implosion of Twitter slash X. Uh, that should be the sort of just like constant feed of like news. What's going on? What are people saying about it? It's like TikTok is almost like filling that void of just sort of like, you know, mm -hmm. and obviously, yeah, it's very much like where things are going in the sh short form video. But it, often like the ones that are super successful, is just like a person just filming themselves, talking about something, reacting to something, stitching, yeah. duetting, whatever. And like, um, so like that idea of like humanizing or whatever, it's like, yeah, people are you know, responding to this platform and the way that it's sort of evolved of like, it's people talking about the news, reacting to the news, sharing their perspectives or whatever else. And, you know, it's not as if Twitter before was perfect in terms of like misinformation and all that, like that idea of like, I guess what I'm sort of resonating with or sort of hearing from what you're saying is like, these things are going away. We need to understand them. We need to appreciate them and sort of in whatever ways we can, you know, certainly in your avenue, like sort of sociology and just, you know, human beings and their development, how they interact and all this kind of stuff, like trying to incorporate maybe like aspects of like digital literacy and things like that, because like 
people's real lives are impacted by these digital spaces and all these sort of mm -hmm. things. So it's just sort of like, yeah, yep. we have to understand what they are, how people use them, why they use them and all that. And it's like, well, yeah. And like, and podcasting too. It's like, well, like what do people like about this so much? Like why, you know, it's this very ascendant over the past couple of decades, like, you know, medium final thought or call to action on this topic to end the episode. So the floor is yours. I would say that finding new ways to bring information to students, especially if you're on a campus like mine, where it's extremely diverse, there's not a ton of funding to bring in outside guests or outside speakers, that this avenue is a really interesting and um, kind of fun way to do it. Most people have 30 minutes to talk to you over Zoom or whatever your platform is, Skype, whatever. And the worst that they can say is no. But to be honest, I've not had, I've had probably 99% yes from folks when I've asked them. And this is everything from people I know to people that I've never met and I just think are interesting and want to talk to. So especially if you're looking for a way to bring in folks into your classroom as guest lectures or whatever, however you want to frame it, this is a really good way to do it. It, it makes it accessible to the students. They can listen to it at two times speed, which they tell me they do all the time. And they can kind of, it, it's different than like assigning or reading or something. They can pop it in their earbuds. They can listen to it while they go through their day. And it still gets information, the information you want to get across just in a way that's really accessible to them. And with accessibility, one of the things I forgot to mention that I did learn is um, if you do this and you present it to students to get yourself a transcription software for students who are deaf or hard of hearing so that you have transcripts available for folks and also for students who are ESL and English may not be quite something they're comfortable with yet. Um, that was a hard lesson I learned when I had a student who was from Vietnam and was just like, I am only getting half of what you're talking about. And I had to figure out transcription software, which was not that hard, and then upload a bunch of transcripts for him um, through Google Docs. So, you know, those types of things to keep in mind. But this is, this is a really great medium to bring stuff in that you may not bring information in that you may not have had access to before. Yeah, I mean, it's just where we're at with, like, content creation. It is that idea, of, like, especially if you do like a video interview it's like you can you know break that down into just the audio version you could break that down to a transcript you can do like in that idea like it, it is steering in a direction where you're doing content creation for learning experiences that can be uh yeah like listen to it two times speed replayed a hundred times if they need to like try and reinforce something it can be you know accessed in whatever format that they prefer and what i was just thinking of too is like you know, so accessibility is a huge piece. And another sort of aspect of that is I think sometimes like people bring in like guest speakers for a class. So it's like, okay, they're coming in, they're talking live. But if it's like, well, sorry, if you had to miss that one class because of any number of reasons or whatever, then it's like, you know, so even just thinking in that where I just love any opportunity for like, you know, if it is even like a campus wide event, you have like an amazing person coming whatever it's like all right let's live stream it so like either in the room there you can watch it live you could watch it live from your home if you're like an online student or commuter student and then we're going to like take that piece of content and have it on demand so then you can like watch it back later if you just could not you know you're you're working you know at that time so it's like kind of that idea of, of wherever you are however you prefer whatever your needs are you have the access that you need to have great experiences on campus and in your courses and everything else. So it's a great mindset. I appreciate you sharing that you, 
you know, all the ways that you were able to kind of push through this learning experience for yourself and achieve something really cool and really awesome. And, you know, especially uh, it being audio content in particular is just, uh, you know, <laughs> warms my heart. So uh, we'll certainly have ways to connect with you and keep that conversation going. But just thank you so much for your time and all the great work. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Hired Geek Podcast is a part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances you'll like all the other Enrollify shows too. Podcast Network is growing constantly, and we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks all designed to empower you to be a better hired professional. Our shows help you find your next big idea and feature a selection of the industry's best as your host. Learn from people like Jamie Hunt, Seth O'Dell, Dave Kibbolds, and Eddie Francis, as well as so many other of your favorite leaders in higher education. Enrollify is made possible by the support of Element 451, a leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.